My friends, the Lord asks many difficult things of us throughout the Gospels. He demands that we take up our crosses, lay down our lives, love God more than our families, forgive seven times seventy times, not commit adultery in our hearts, and so many other things besides. But for me, today's gospel is absolutely the most difficult mandate of the Lord because it comes up so often in my life and I so rarely follow it. This gospel may be one of my most frequent occasions of sin and one that I know I need to start taking more seriously. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have one over your brother. It seems so simple, right? But how many of you, like me, prefer to allow conflicts to sit and to simmer in the vain hope that they will magically disappear? How many of you, like me, would rather live in an interpersonal cold war than actually air grievances in the open? I can think of hundreds of things I would rather do than have an open and honest conversation alone with someone who has sinned against me. And yet, last week we spoke about how a healthy family values honesty before honor or image. Today the Lord is putting that to the test in a very concrete way. Would we rather avoid conflict to preserve our good feelings? Or are we willing to do the healthy thing and be honest about how someone else has hurt us? At least in my case, I tell myself a bunch of lies in order to avoid conflict. It's not that big a deal. Maybe this is just in my head. It is better to endure this small suffering than to make things worse by bringing it up. Talking about this will do no good for anyone. Have any of you ever told yourselves these lies? But these are lies and not the truth. The truth is that the loving thing to do is to tell someone when they have hurt us. Classically, Christianity defines love as choosing the good of the other. So when someone sins against us, what is their good? Is it good for them to continue sinning, endangering their relationship with God? Is it good for them to continue going around hurting other people, maybe without even realizing it? Is it good for them to have hurt us and to have driven us away as a friend? No, none of these things are good for our brother, sister, or neighbor. This is why the first reading tells us that we have a responsibility to warn the wicked person of their sin, lest we be held accountable for that person's sin. If we decide to leave someone to wallow in their sin, we are saying that we do not love them enough to help them become better. Consider also the line from our second reading which is itself quoting Jesus, that much of the law can be summarized with, love your neighbor as yourself. 
If I am acting self-destructively, endangering my relationship with God and my fellow human beings, wouldn't I want someone who loves me to help me be better rather than to abandon me to my mistakes and bad decisions? My friends, avoiding conflict and avoiding honesty is never actually the loving option. It is merely the safe option. The loving option is to help those that we love to become better, even and especially when their sin is against us. Of course, we might ask, why is it so difficult to tell someone that they have sinned against us and to ask them to do better? Probably because we have all seen this process go poorly. Sometimes we are not taken seriously. Sometimes the person blows up at us. Sometimes it really does cause irreparable harm to our relationship. So if we want to follow the Lord's command and to normalize the practice of talking to each other about our sins, we have to start with ourselves and ask if we have engaged well in this process. When we point out our neighbor's sin against us, Do we do so in an accusatory, angry way, condemning them and telling them how horrible they are? Or do we make it clear that we love them and that we want them to become the best version of themselves? And when someone points out our own flaws, can we receive that feedback without dismissing it? Can we empathize with that person's experience, even if we experienced things differently? Can we remain calm and listen, rather than getting immediately defensive? Can we enter into a dialogue rather than a fight? If we are loving when we are part of these conversations, then maybe these conversations can become more common in our lives and in our world. Nevertheless, sometimes the one-on-one conversation does go poorly, which is why Jesus gives us the second step. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. A couple notes on this. First, this is always the second step. Never the first. So many of us want to start with this option because it makes us feel safer and less vulnerable, or because we feel like bringing witnesses will help us get the upper hand. But triumphing is not our goal. Our goal is to win back our brother, and this is far more possible if we respect our relationship with him and do not overwhelm him with a mob. We should only bring the witnesses if we have been ignored, and we need to establish that this is an important conversation that needs to be taken seriously. Second note. If we are the one accused of sinning, we should not be offended by the inclusion of other people. Our goal should always be to do the will of God and to heal divisions in the body of Christ. 
If in the first conversation we did not realize the seriousness of the situation, but now two or three witnesses are telling us otherwise, we should try to rejoice that we have been brought to the truth and that we now have an opportunity to make things right. As long as we are all trying to do the right thing, additional witnesses should be seen as a help, not a threat. However, sometimes even this second conversation does not go well, which is why Jesus ultimately gives us the third step of going to the church. In this case, church can be read to mean the community authorities, whoever they may be. If our conflict is with a fellow parishioner, maybe we go to the priest. If our conflict is with a co-worker, maybe we go to a supervisor, and so on. But again, this is the third step that should only be taken after a one-on-one meeting and then after an attempt to resolve the situation with other witnesses. So much damage is done when someone jumps straight to this third step. To use an example from the world that I inhabit, there are, for example, parishes in this archdiocese, not this one, where parishioners are constantly calling down to Seattle about everything their priest does that they do not like. While sometimes calling Seattle is necessary, doing so for every conflict destroys the relationship between the priest and the people, because suddenly every little thing is immediately elevated to the nuclear option. The same thing is true with co-workers going straight to supervisors. It is like siblings always tattling and going straight to the parents, or students going straight to the teacher, which we all train our children not to do, and yet we ourselves so often feel tempted to do it. And of course, we would never want to involve a community authority in order to punish our brother. The only reason we would ever want to involve such an authority is because we love our brother or sister too much to give up on them. We want them to be holy and happy and the best version of themselves. And so from time to time, we do go to higher authorities as the last option to try to win back our brother. But we should never want to have to do this. We should want to heal the relationship among ourselves first, and we should make every effort to do so. And then there is the final step. If he refuses to listen to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or tax collector. Sometimes, unfortunately, this is necessary. Sometimes a person does not desire to change, improve, or convert away from sinful behavior, and they have to be allowed to experience the natural consequences of their behavior. If a person does not want to engage with community standards, that person sometimes has to be removed from the community. Even though this may be necessary, we should never take joy in it. We should always desire that a sinner be converted from their ways and returned to us as a better, holier person. My brothers and sisters in Christ, Some of the hardest things I have ever had to do in my life 
involved talking to people about ways they had hurt me, sinned against me, or sinned against someone or something that I loved. It is not at all enjoyable. But in hindsight, I am always thankful for the times when I had the courage to do so, and I often regret the times I did not find that courage. We profess to follow the Lord Jesus, and we profess to love our neighbors. So now we have to ask ourselves whether we love them enough to talk to them when they have sinned against us. Do we love them enough to make ourselves vulnerable, to be honest, and to try to win them back? It is a particularly difficult form of love, but one which will always be beneficial for ourselves and our community.